Welcome to Sermon Buzz, the sermons of Anniston First United Methodist Church in podcast format. This week's sermon is a continuation of our sermon series, What Child Is This? The Early Life of Jesus. We're spending a little time examining the episodes of Jesus' early life before he goes into ministry. In the first sermon in the series, we looked at Jesus as part of a family group with parents and siblings and all of the adventures and challenges that come with family. And we talked about how nature and nurture both play a role in who we are, but nature and nurture cannot overseed what the Holy Spirit can do in our life. In the second sermon, we looked at the incident where Jesus is left behind in the temple. His family goes to Jerusalem for Passover, and when the larger group begins to head home, Jesus is not among them. And we talked about, in that sermon, intergenerational ministry, the importance of hearing a variety of ages and opinions and varieties of personalities in the leadership of the church, because Jesus is the Savior of the entire world. And in order to reach the entire world, we need to hear all the voices that help us do that. This week, we are looking at the baptism of Jesus. On the traditional Christian calendar, this was observed on January the 10th. It's coming a little bit later for us because we wanted to look at some of those other episodes first. Our focus will be on Jesus in worship. I invite you to hear the voice of God speaking to us through the words of Scripture as we look at Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. At that time, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan River so that John would baptize him. John tried to stop him and said, I need to be baptized by you, yet you come to me? Jesus answered, Allow me to be baptized now. This is necessary to fulfill all righteousness. So John agreed to baptize Jesus. When Jesus was baptized, he immediately came up out of the water. Heaven was opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God coming down like a dove and resting on him. A voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I dearly love. In him I find happiness. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The church has discerned down through time that Jesus was 100% divine and 100% human. That had never happened before, has never happened since, and we believe will never happen again. He was fully human to experience all of the things that we as human beings experience. But he was God incarnate, literally God come in the flesh. So he goes to John who happens to be his cousin. We call him John the Baptist or John the Baptizer because baptism was such a part of his ministry as he called people to change their hearts. But John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He implored people, change your lives, change your ways, change your mind, live differently, and let this mark that decision in your life. Come and be baptized, particularly in the Jordan River, And start anew. Let it become part of what we call the washing of the water of the word as we hear God speaking to us and make a different choice. It was for the repentance of sin. The Christian church believes that Jesus was sinless. He never sinned as completely God 
as well as completely human, sin was not a part of his life. He came to redeem us from sin, but not to sin himself. So it begs the question that John asks of, I can't baptize you. You should be baptizing me. What's going on? And Jesus says, this is necessary. There was a reason, perhaps several reasons, why Jesus chose to be baptized. We in the Christian church continue to baptize people because we follow Jesus' example. The two sacraments of the Christian church, of the United Methodist Church in particular, are baptism and Holy Communion, where we believe God is present and active and does something in our lives. And we do both of those and call those sacraments because we are following the example of Jesus. We believe they are outward and visible signs of an inward and spiritual grace. So I want to imagine and think with you for just a moment why Jesus might have engaged in baptism, even though he had nothing to repent from. I believe it is because Jesus knew that we would have things we needed to repent from, that we needed things to mark significant moments on our journey. We have the sacrament of baptism. We also have the ritual of remembering our baptism, a remembrance of baptism ceremony. We have one of those included in the worship service, or you can find it separately if you are listening to the podcast. Jesus is our example, and we follow him. It reminds me that participating in a community of faith in participating in religious rituals that are part of that community, become significant to us. They have meaning. Some people say rituals are just dull and dry and dead spiritually because we just are going through the motions. I would say that's not true. They're only spiritually devoid of meaning if we fail to heed the Holy Spirit and see the meaning behind them. I grew up in a different denomination, and I remember visiting a United Methodist church for the first time with my husband, who was raised United Methodist, and we're sitting in church, and they begin to play the prelude, and they begin to come in with what I now know are acolytes, carrying the light, carrying the cross, the pastor coming with them, carrying the Bible, and I remember asking, "What, what are they doing? Well, carrying in the light represents the light of the world that comes to us, that we focus on. We light candles to remind us of the light of the world. We carry the cross because the cross goes before us. It's our symbol of the suffering servant who is also our savior and our king and is coming again. And at the end of the service, we carry those out as we remind ourselves that we are to carry the Christian faith, the light of the world to the world as we go from that place. Religious rituals have much meaning for us. That includes baptism, which Jesus engaged in today. Participating in a community of faith not only connects us with God, we believe that being in community together helps us as iron sharpens iron. We encourage one another, we hold one another accountable, we learn from the wisdom of others, and together we discern where God is leading us as God's people in that place. 
Together, we are stronger and can accomplish more than we could individually. And as individuals, we grow stronger and deeper as we challenge and encourage one another. We learn scripture in the community of faith. We learn to worship in the community of faith. We learn to resolve conflict. We learn to persevere. We learn to make a difference in our world. I believe Jesus participates in this ritual to remind us that rituals can and do have meaning, that connection to other believers is an important part of who we are. Being a part of a community of faith also has other benefits. There are benefits for us personally. There are benefits to participating in church that become part of our witness, our testimony to the world, and a good example to other believers. And then there are, we participate for the benefit of others. Sometimes people say to me, I get just as much from worshiping outside in nature as I do from going to church. And I sympathize. I, too, find deep connection to God in nature. I love being outside to walk in the woods, to sit, to examine nature. If you were to look at my Facebook feed and my Instagram feed, you'll see a lot of pictures taken outdoors and in nature. A lot of pictures of me reading or doing my quiet time or engaging in prayer outside in nature. I believe there's power in nature when we get outside of the man-made and connect with God's creation again, we somehow find it easy to connect with God, God's self there. However, I think that supplements rather than replaces participation in the community of faith. Participating with other believers benefits me, but even if I'm not finding meaning in it at that moment, Participation benefits others. I had, unfortunately, at one church, we had, it's not unfortunate that it happened, but the children were in charge of worship. They did all of the elements in worship, including singing the songs, singing the special music, leading us in worship, making the announcements, processing in all the elements that we bring. And we even had an older child that we had worked with at great length who delivered a message for the day. And after that service, the unfortunate part is I had a member who came to me and said, I I just wish we wouldn't do that. I just don't find that meaningful. Um, I came for a good worship service, not, not children doing stuff. The thing is, he missed the point. That was his opportunity to help nurture and encourage the next generation in embracing the faith. Even if he didn't hear anything in the message that day, even if he failed to hear God speaking through the words of the music, He could have been there to support the others who were engaging in that. He could have encouraged the children and the other congregants. Participation in the body of Christ, in the church, even in those moments when we don't really feel like it, becomes part of our witness and our testimony. And we sometimes do it for the benefit of others. This is why our sacraments are community events. When we baptize an infant, the family comes and presents that child, but the entire congregation comes with them. And part of that baptismal covenant is that the congregation 
promises before God to help nurture and raise that child to the point where the child embraces faith for themselves. When they do embrace it for themselves, we call that confirmation. And again, confirmation is a community event where we come and stand alongside those who are confirming their faith. And we say again, we love you. We are so grateful to have been a part of your journey. But even if you don't know the person being confirmed, you are there to celebrate, to affirm, to support that moment in their spiritual journey. And then they return the favor when we have those moments in our own spiritual journey. So there are real and true spiritual benefits for ourselves and for others that happen. But there are even benefits to participating in church that go beyond spiritual benefits. There are physical and emotional benefits. I have some statistics and I have to pull my notes out because I don't try to quote statistics without having them in front of me. They are compiled by research conducted by Duke University, Indiana University, the University of Mission, the Center for Disease Control, Barna Research Group, Gallup, Pew Research, and the National Institute for Healthcare Research. So good, reputable sources for the information. But being involved in the church actually increases your life expectancy by eight years. It reduces the likelihood that you will become addicted to alcohol, tobacco, or other drugs. It dramatically lowers the risk of suicide in people who have suicidal ideation. People rebound from depression 70% faster when they are connected to a community of faith. It improves attitude in the workplace and the classroom. It maintains a sense of hope and optimism for the future. It improves our odds of describing our life as happy or very happy. It provides us with a lifelong moral compass. And it can provide children with a caring, extended family beyond that of their family of origin or nuclear family. People involved in a faith community on a regular basis are more likely to describe themselves as hopeful, optimistic, happy, or satisfied. They're more likely to describe their marriages and their families in this way as well. People involved in a faith community are more likely to give charitably beyond their congregation to volunteer for nonprofits and community agencies, and even to seek public office as a tenant of their faith. The extended family that we receive in, in church stimulates our intellectual, our social, and our spiritual development through long-term relationships that teach us the selfless values that are at the core of the Christian faith. They teach us how to develop an internal life, which is a proven stress reducer, and problem-solving skill, provides us with egalitarian peer groups, if you choose the right church, and interaction with positive role models that are both egalitarian and positive are the key words there into choosing a community of faith that will help that happen. Participation in a community of faith offers a family atmosphere to children from broken homes or whose relatives are far-flung and distant. It challenges us to manage our priorities and take care of the main thing as the main thing. It guides us in learning to lead less self-centered lives and think about the greater good and how we are connected to the world around us. And practicing the traditions and rituals 
help us develop a sense of place in the story, the story that is the story of human existence, of being a part of our local culture, but also of being a part of God's story with each of us. Now, the key to having participation in the church make those differences for us is for it to happen regularly and for it to happen deeply. It is possible to come and sit in a pew week after week, not really connect with other believers, not get involved and invested, not develop friendships that become like family. And if all you do is come and sit in worship and go home, these things will not be true for you. You can even join a small group or a Sunday school class. And if all you do is come to sit and listen, to be a spectator or an observer, it doesn't make these things happen. The key to having church be beneficial for you spiritually, physically, and emotionally is to invest, to get to know people, to come to love people, to allow people to love you. And that is our goal here at Anniston First United Methodist Church. We want to love people and we want to help people discover the love of God. So I challenge you as we look at Jesus, who had no need to be baptized for the forgiveness of sin, who sets an example for us of participating in the rituals and the gatherings of a religious community for our benefit. How are you choosing to benefit from participation in a community of faith? Are you investing at a level that it makes a difference for you spiritually, physically, and emotionally? And if you happen to be worshiping with us today and you do not have a community of faith, please reach out to us. I'm Pastor Tammy Jackson, Pastor Kyle Bryan, Pastor Davis Johnson would love to talk with you about getting involved in the community of faith that is Aniston First. Just as Jesus went to be baptized, he placed himself in a time of worship. I hope that you will choose to place yourself in those times of worship for your benefit and for the benefit of others. Let us pray. Gracious, almighty and loving God, we give thanks for you, our heavenly father. We give thanks for your Holy Spirit, which indwells us and teaches us and draws us and empowers us to live the lives you call us to. And we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, for it is his willingness to come, to be fully human, to participate in all that life had and to set an example for us of what it means to be in community to observe religious rituals, and to be people of faith continues to benefit us. Shape and form us, O Lord, into your children, individually and together as a community, that we might be witnesses to your love, your grace, and your mercy. This we ask in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information about Anniston First, visit us at annistonfirst.info. Connect with us on Facebook or visit our YouTube channel.